What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and we're back again for another preview podcast. Obviously, the North Carolina football team traveling about 10 miles down the road this Saturday, 12-20 kickoff against the Duke Blue Devils in a battle for the victory bell. Obviously, North Carolina hasn't had its hands on the victory bell, I guess, since before the 2016 matchup. Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback for the Tar Heels, and really ever since that game, North Carolina has struggled as a program to get wins, and it's really been a steep drop-off since Carolina last played in 2016 when the Tar Heels went over to Durham and lost that game 28-27, to and I'm sure we all know what happened last year when Duke came to Chapel Hill, took the victory bell back home with them to Durham, 27-17 victory for the Blue Devils last season as well. So as you can see, North Carolina hasn't gotten the results they've wanted over the past couple seasons, not only in the Duke game, but really in every game that they've played. Carolina's only won since that Duke game in 2016. They've only won five games, two of those against Pittsburgh, one of those against the Citadel that was back in 2016, and the others against Western Carolina and Old Dominion last season. So North Carolina as a football program have definitely struggled since Carolina really got up to an early lead in Durham and ended up losing that game late to a talented Blue Devils team. But I think Carolina was ranked in the top 20 at that point in the season with Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback, and it's been a steep drop-off since then as Carolina would go on to beat the Citadel and lose to State and then lose to Stanford back in that 2016 season. So North Carolina, I don't really have to state it. There's really no need for me to keep talking about it, but they have struggled two string victories together, as we all know, over the past couple seasons. And unfortunately, last year's trend of injuries, losses, and just unfortunate situations for the North Carolina football program has continued on to this season. And Carolina needs two more victories against either Duke this weekend, Western Carolina at home, and then NC State at home for them to tie, or excuse me, if they can win all three of those, they can beat their win total of last year. And if they can win two more, they will tie last year's win total. So a little bit of an uphill battle for this team to even equal their limited success last season record-wise. But hopefully they can get that started this weekend in Durham against a average, maybe above average Duke team. Obviously, they went down to Miami last week and and played the, the, the Hurricanes in what looked like a hurricane. It was monsoon. Uh, torrential downpours, especially in the first half. It quieted down a little bit in the second half, but played just a miserable miserable game last Saturday against Miami, and the Blue Devils ended up coming back to Durham with a victory 20-12 to over the Hurricanes in, in Miami. So North Carolina, uh, two really totally different contrasting seasons when you compare them to Duke. North Carolina obviously sitting at 1-7 overall this season, and unfortunately, one and five in the ACC. If you look at Duke, Duke right now sitting six and three overall and fifth in the ACC Coastal. So I think you believe they're two and three in the ACC as well. And it's not really been the season they've wanted by any means this year either. Um, Duke's a team that's been a little bit up and down. Uh, started off the season pretty well and then kind of dipped off as they usually do towards the middle of the season and have started to figure it out a little bit more over the past couple weeks. But before we get too much into Duke, just want to thank everybody who is tuned in today. And thank you for listening to the Carolina Talk Podcast. We will have a basketball preview. I know it's a little bit late. Obviously, the Tar Heels got a big win down in Spartanburg against Wofford earlier this week. But me and my good friend Brandon, too, who's actually interning at the David Glenn Show right now, went to college with him. 
one of the most knowledgeable sports guys. And not only is he a knowledgeable sports guy, he's a diehard Carolina fan. So we're going to have him on for the basketball preview. He actually wrote an article uh, earlier this week as well that I reposted on the Carolina Talk Pod Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod. So be sure to go check that out, guys. And also, real quick, if you guys could do me a favor, go follow me on my personal account, And you can find the link to that account in my Twitter bio on the Carolina Talk Pod Twitter. So go check that out, guys. If you could do that for me, that would be huge. And look forward to that basketball preview coming out. I'm really excited to get back on the phone with Brandon. It's been a while since I've talked to him. And uh, we'll see what we can do. It's going to be a fun little podcast talking about North Carolina and the expectations we kind of have for the basketball season. Uh, North Carolina traveling down on Friday to face Elon to open up their Shar Center in Elon, North Carolina, about hour, hour and a half from Chapel Hill, so not too far of a travel for the men's basketball team, but should be a really cool event. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off Friday night, and that game can be found on ESPNU. So hopefully the Tar Heels will go down there and get a good victory, but that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk about the basketball team. Obviously, we're here for the Duke preview because, guys, it is still football season. Carolina still has three games to play. I'm not sure if they're going to end up rescheduling a 12th game like you would expect them to. Obviously, regardless of if that game is scheduled, North Carolina can't go bowling this year for the second consecutive year in a row. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Carolina will get another game scheduled. I think it's important for not only these players, but these seniors more than anything to be able to play one more time in a Tar Heel uniform. And more than likely, that game would be at Keenan Stadium. So would be another home game and a last home game, last hoorah for the North Carolina seniors that have put so much work and, and time and effort into this program. So hopefully these guys will get sent off on a good note, regardless of if a 12th game is scheduled. And hopefully these, these guys can get a little winning streak going in the final three games, but maybe four of the 2018 regular season. So guys, let's real quick, let's jump into Duke like we always do on these preview podcasts. I like to jump in and do a little opponent preview, talk about how they've been doing this season, talk about some stats and some things that I think Carolina might be able to exploit going into the contest this Saturday. Obviously, like I said, Duke sitting at six and three overall, two and three in the coastal division. And right now, um, they've had a decent season. Like I said a, a few moments ago, they've been a little up and down. Started off the season really well. Uh, they were at four and zero at one point. Started off first game of the year, beat Army thirty four to fourteen. Then at Northwestern, uh, Northwestern a good team played Notre Dame close last weekend in, in Chicago, and they actually the Blue Devils went up to Chicago and beat Northwestern second game of the season 21-7, to so good victory for them against a, a solid Northwestern team. And the next game, they went on the road to Texas, a pretty far trip for the Blue Devils when you think about it, especially non-conference. Went down to Baylor. Baylor's sitting at 5-4 and four on the year right now, so a decent team, a team that started to, to turn some things around after a few dismal years at Baylor. Obviously, that big controversy they had down there, similar to kind of what Carolina had, obviously a different in a lot of ways, but all kind of had to do with an NCAA investigation. So they've kind of had to deal with their own NCAA investigation of themselves, uh, the Baylor Bears down in Texas. And Duke went down there third game of the year and beat them by, by two possessions, 40-37, to 37, so good victory again for the Blue Devils. And then they played North Carolina Central at home, and North Carolina Central over the past few years especially has had some really good programs. So obviously North Carolina Central, if you didn't know, is in Durham as well. And uh, so a little bit of a home, I guess you could say a true Durham versus Durham game, if you would like to call it that. And Duke came out on top 55 to 13. And then a little bit of Duke's woes kind of started to, to, to show a little bit for this Duke Blue Devils team. They went and Virginia Tech came into town. Obviously, Virginia Tech was coming off that disappointing loss to ODU the weekend before. 
and, and came to D- in Durham and played a really good game against, I think, a ranked Duke team at the time. I believe they were in the top 25, uh, somewhere between 20 and 25. I can't remember from the top of my head right now. Uh, but Virginia Tech came into to Durham and beat them pretty handily by two possessions, 31-14 to 14 victory for the Hokies. Obviously, hasn't been the greatest year for Virginia Tech as well, but they responded well after that ODU loss. And, and I remember watching some of that game and I thought Virginia Tech just looked a lot better team than Duke in that in that matchup. But then the the Blue Devils traveled down to Atlanta to play our favorite team, the the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Um, decent game for them, and they came out on top, twenty eight to fourteen over the Yellow Jackets. So only held the Yellow Jackets to fourteen points. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Georgia Tech's only been held to below twenty points this season twice. So Duke did a really good job. Uh, against their the Georgia Tech rushing attack and wasn't really surprised to see that because overall Duke has had a pretty steady defense for most of the season and we'll get into that uh, look at some more stats to kind of back that up here in just a few moments but got that win over Georgia Tech then uh, UVA came into town uh, the Cavaliers obviously have had a pretty above average season for from what most people expected them to do they were picked to, to finish dead last in the ACC and UVA uh Came into Durham and beat them pretty handily, 28-14 to win over the Blue Devils. And then a weekend later at Pittsburgh against a first-place Coastal team right now, uh, Pittsburgh came out on top 55-45. to Good victory for the for the Panthers and, and a game in which Duke had some opportunities to win it and just couldn't get it done. And then obviously, like I said earlier, last weekend against Miami in a torrential downpour, just horrible conditions to play football, Duke went down to Miami and ended up coming back with a 20-12 victory over the, the Hurricanes. So Duke, a, a little bit of up-and-down team, went on that four-game winning streak early in the year. Then kind of when conference play started, started to struggle a little bit, lost to VT, beat Georgia Tech the weekend after, then lost two in a row to UVA and at Pitt, and then have got a one-game winning streak going into the Carolina game after beating Miami last week. So Duke uh, was on a little bit of a, a, a way bench for a little bit, played the last four games. They were Three of them were on the road, so coming back home, to Durham now, and I'm sure they'll be excited to play in front of the the fans over in, in Durham. Not that there's usually very many of them at their games, and that's not a. I'm not trying to sit here and bash Duke at all. They've just been a program that's struggled to to garner attendance at their football games, and which is a little bit weird when you think about it. Because what David Cutliffe has done over at Duke, the the changes he's made not only to the program but the facilities they have, the stadium they have now, he's done a really nice job of making that Duke program look appealing from the outside they get a lot of smart recruits in not necessarily guys that are going to go uh four or five star athletes uh, coming in a lot of these guys are three stars two stars maybe an occasional couple of four stars they recruit similarly to how Carolina does but Carolina usually uh, besides this year really has a lot better recruiting class than the Blue Devils tend to end up with but you got to give credit to David Cutcliffe and his staff they really stuck to the basics when it comes to this team they play very, very disciplined football. They're one of the lo- lowest, if not the lowest, uh, penalized team in the ACC again this year. And you see that a lot from season to season with this Blue Devils team. Got to give credit to David Cutcliffe and that staff over at Duke for what they've done. And I actually really uh, like Cutcliffe. I think he has a great eye for quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks. A lot of his quarterbacks that come in are, are not the highest rated guys, but the way that Cutcliffe can develop his quarterbacks, obviously he's coached the likes of Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. He's done some really nice things and had a big impact on some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, past and present. So David Cutcliffe, a guy that when you, when it comes down to it, regardless of who you're affiliated with, regardless of who you're a fan of, you really got to appreciate what he's done at that Duke football program. And, and a lot of kudos and credit should go to him 
But Duke, like I said, sitting at six and three, fifth in the ACC Coastal, and a little bit kind of weird when you think about it. Duke sitting at six and three overall, but fifth in the ACC Coastal division. That's not very good, to be completely honest with you, this season. So I'm sure Duke will go into this game knowing that they need a victory. They've already got the bowl eligibility behind them uh, with that win at Miami. So that is a little bit of a plus side for North Carolina. You don't have to kind of worry about that extra motivation going into a a rivalry game. Not that anybody should need any extra motivation because when it comes down to it, these programs don't really like each other. And you can understand why it's obviously not the rivalry that you see in basketball. But if these two teams were, you know, top 10 teams every year, like the basketball side of things, then I'm sure this rivalry would be even bigger. But nonetheless, it's always a tough game for North Carolina when they come up against Duke, regardless of if it's in Durham or in Chapel Hill. And I think it'll be another tough game for North Carolina coming up this weekend. So guys, just want to break down a few stats real quick, kind of look at what and who some of Duke's biggest threats are on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the starting quarterback for the Blue Devils, Daniel Jones, he actually missed a little bit of the season uh, with an injury. I believe it was a collarbone injury. But Daniel Jones overall this year, 135 completions on 218 attempts for 1,587 yards, so a 62% completion percentage and about a 7.28 yards per attempt average as well. So good stats for, for Daniel Jones, 13 touchdowns and five interceptions and a QB rating of 138.2. So Daniel Jones has had a pretty decent year for the Blue Devils overall. Like I said, he missed a couple of games, but still he's thrown for over 1,500 yards and, and limited action this season. So you got, you can kind of see how talented Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. And he actually played against North Carolina in the game they lost in 2016. He was a redshirt freshman, I believe, and he came into that game and, and, and led Duke to the victory. So Daniel Jones, a guy that's familiar with, with North Carolina having obviously played them uh, twice in his career at North Carolina. And I'm sure he'll, you know, have another good game this weekend when it comes to the rivalry in Durham at 1220. So Daniel Jones, a guy that you really need to watch out for uh, from the Blue Devils perspective. If you can stop Daniel Jones, if you can slow him down, then you can really slow down this Duke offense because uh, rushing-wise, they've, they've got a good running back, Deion Jackson, 115 carries for 647 yards, about a 5.6-yard uh, per carry average. So six TDs for him as well. It's been a good year for Deion Jackson. Gets a lot of carries, gets a lot of touches. Um, Duke a team that obviously likes to throw the ball as well. So they're a team that's going to mix it up, not only running the ball, but also throwing the ball. And it's kind of similar to what you've seen with North Carolina this year. They're not a predominantly run-based team. They're not a predominantly throw-based team. They like to kind of switch things up and, and, and take what the defense is giving them. So Duke a team that not only can beat you through Jones, but can also Beats you through Deion Jackson and Britton Brown as well. 65 carries for 325 yards, about a 5.1 yard average per carry. So as you can see, when these Duke running backs are getting the ball, they're getting big chunks of yards. If you can get five yards per carry, that's a great statistic uh, when you think about it. So good good rushing attack from Duke as well. Uh, receiving stats for the Blue Devils, they really have two main receivers that are their two biggest targets for that Daniel Jones really likes to throw to, Jonathan Lloyd. 37 receptions on the year, 480 yards, about a 13 uh, yard per catch average, and five TDs for him. And then you got TJ Roming right behind him, 44 receptions for 420 yards, so just 60 yards shy of Lloyd's stats, and an average of about 9.5 uh, yards per catch, and six touchdowns. So he has one more touchdown on the year than Jonathan Lloyd has had. So Good year for both of those wide receivers. Those are guys that are dangerous in the field. They're guys that when they get the ball, you really 
got to be aware of them and, and where they're at because if you don't make a tackle, they can take it to the house. Obviously, 11 touchdowns combined for them. So they're when you when it comes down to it, they are uh, Daniel Jones' two biggest weapons. 11 out of his 13 TD passes uh, have been thrown to one of those guys. So they're really dangerous guys that that can score when they get the ball. And Daniel Jones will certainly be looking for them. And they should be a big test for these North Carolina cornerbacks. Uh, more than likely, Greg Ross and Patrice Renee, and you'll also see uh, Trey Morrison, the true freshman, covering a little bit in that nickel position. So when you look at the offensive stats, I mean, Duke is a good team offensively. They're not a bad team by any means. If you look at their overall stat records uh, based in the ACC this season, uh, Duke is ninth in the ACC in total offense. UNC is actually eight. So when it comes down to it, it's kind of crazy. UNC is averaging about 400 yards per game, which isn't great, but it's not horrible. And Duke's averaging somewhere in the 390s. I believe so. Duke actually has a, a worse offense than North Carolina this season, not by much, but when it comes down to it, stats don't lie. And Duke has been a little bit less successful on the offensive side of the ball this season, especially in the ACC. Uh, but then you look at their total defense. This is where the two teams are really separated by. Duke is sixth in the ACC in total defense, while UNC sitting at eleventh. So there's just kind of been a little bit of a myth going around that the offense has been the main problem for North Carolina. But when you look at these stats, that kind of tells it all. Duke is sitting at 6-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in the ACC, and have the ninth worst offense in the ACC and the sixth best defense. But when you look at North Carolina, they're pretty close to each other. UNC's 8th, and then that defense is sitting at 11th. So it's just not been a great season for the Carolina defense. Like I said, there's kind of this rumor going around that the Carolina defense has improved. I mean, they've done some nice things in games against California especially, only letting up uh, 24 points and really putting the offense in good positions to to win that game, uh, getting some good turnovers. And uh, they also played really good against Virginia Tech, only letting up 22 points. The offense only scored 19, so that was the main reason they lost. But you also got to look at the 400-plus rushing yards they put up against uh, the Georgia Tech, excuse me, put up on Carolina last weekend in Chapel Hill. You could also look at the Virginia game when uh, their quarterback had over 200 yards of total offense uh, in Charlottesville for the for the Hoos. So, this is a defense that has struggled a lot this season. Has struggled a lot, especially in the ACC. Uh, they're kind of a bend but but break at times. They're not a bend don't break, but a lot of times Carolina will bend and, and getting big big stops in the red zone. They've done that well this season, but the problem is they don't do that consistently enough. If you're going to let teams get in the red zone, they're going to score more often than not. And Carolina has struggled with with always stopping teams once they get in that position because teams really haven't struggled too much to get in the danger zone for North Carolina on the defensive side of the ball this season. So if you compare those two stats, it kind of tells you the story that you need to know about why these two teams record-wise are so different. Uh, it's really because Carolina's defense has just not played well and, and their offense has just been average at best. So uh, like I said earlier, the series right now, Carolina on a two-game losing streak to Duke. Obviously, Carolina leads the series overall 59 wins, 38 losses, and four ties. So, still a long way to go for the Blue Devils to, to get on top in the overall series. But as of recently, North Carolina has really struggled to beat the Blue Devils. And you got to go all the way back to 2015 before uh, you can see that again. So, Carolina looking to end that streak and bring that victory bell back to Chapel Hill for the first time in over two seasons. And hopefully, they'll be able to, to get a big victory in Durham against the Tar Heels. Guys, just real quick. Before we, it's going to be a relatively short podcast, so I'm just going to do this segment of the podcast real quick, and then we'll go ahead and end it. But I want to do a quick rundown of the three biggest takeaways and the three biggest keys to victory for North Carolina this weekend as they get prepared to play the Blue Devils 
Um, I wrote a little article, preview article about the game. You can find that on at Carolina Talk Pod on Twitter. You can find that link and you can also find it on my private or excuse me, my personal account on Twitter as well. You can find the link to my personal account on my newsfeed, on my profile at Carolina Talk Pod. So go check that out. Read that article. I'm just going to kind of do a quick rundown and a little expand a little bit more on my points from that article uh, real quick in this because I think these are the three things that Carolina must do in order to win the game this weekend against a really, really solid Duke team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, guys, real quick, let's start with the first thing that I think Carolina needs to do in order to have success this weekend against Duke, and that for me is take care of the ball on the offensive side. Carolina has struggled this season to take care of the ball offensively at times. Obviously, had three picks last weekend, three turnovers for the North Carolina Tar Heels against Georgia Tech, and if they do that again this weekend against a sound um, above average Duke team that's sitting six overall in, in total defense this year in the ACC. They're really going to find it hard to come out on top with the victory. Going to go ahead and, uh, and throw a couple more stats at you. Uh, the Tar Heels this season have accumulated 19 turnovers so far in the year. Obviously, had that season high of six on September 27th down in Miami. North Carolina is also ranked 123rd in the FBS in turnover margin and is the second worst team in the ACC, just ahead of Louisville in the same category. So it's not been a a good year necessarily for the turnover, uh, the guys on offense and in terms of taking care of the football. And unfortunately, that's one of the big reasons that North Carolina struggled so much. And one, and also one of the reasons is that the defense has let up so many points because the offense has kind of continuously put the defense in bad positions and forced them to defend in areas they really, really don't want to or shouldn't have to. Um, to kind of compare that to Duke, Duke is tied for 61st in the country in the same stat and have only turned the ball over 10 times in 2018. So nine less turnovers for the Blue Devils on the year than North Carolina has right now. Uh, so, I mean, pretty simple breakdown of stats there. Duke, a team that doesn't turn over the ball a lot, and Carolina, a team that does turn over the ball a lot. And since Duke has been so much more successful on the defensive side of the ball and not necessarily uh, as much successful on the offensive side of the ball compared to Carolina, if North Carolina goes to Durham and turns the ball over maybe three times like they did last week, uh, it's going to be really, really hard for them to come out uh, of that with a victory and bring the victory bill back to Chapel Home. So that Chapel Hill, excuse me, not Chapel Home, back home to Chapel Hill. So if Larry Fedora's team can't do that on Saturday, uh, I think it's pretty simple. They're not going to come home with the victory. So first big key for me is take care uh, of the ball on the offensive side of things. Second big key, second big thing I'm looking for going into this weekend's game is which defense will show up. We've talked a little bit about the defense so far today on the podcast. They played well against the likes of California. Virginia Tech, teams like that, but have also played really, really bad against the likes of ECU. You could even argue Georgia Tech. They didn't play extremely bad against Georgia Tech, but they did let up a ton of uh, over 400 yards rushing, a ton of of rushing yards, and over 550 yards of total offense as well. So it really wasn't that great of a game for the Tar Heel on the defensive side of the ball last weekend against the the Yellow Jackets in Chapel Hill. Uh, Let up a season-high 461 rushing yards against uh, Georgia Tech, obviously a predominantly run-based team, so you can't really look at those stats too heavily for me. But uh, if you look at how Carolina's ranked overall right now, they're actually ranked 96 in the country in total defense, and they played one less game than most people in the FBS. So that stat right there, 96 in the country, is actually eight spots worse than they finished at the end of last season where they were actually ranked 88th overall in the FBS on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so it's a little bit of a shock to see that this defense is actually right now worse than they were last season. 
Um, but you shouldn't really be surprised. Carolina's sitting at one and seven on the year, one and five in the ACC, and you can't put all that blame on the offense. If you if Carolina had a stellar defense, they would have won some games alone this season because this defense would be able to hold teams to less points than the offense is able to put up. Obviously, that's how you win games. I know it's kind of a stupid point to bring up, but the fact of the matter is, there's been a couple of times this year where Carolina has scored enough points, you know, over 20 points, over 30 points, and lost games. And if the defense was decent to great, then I think Carolina would have won maybe a handful of those games. It would be maybe a little bit different of a story going into the final three games of the year in terms of Carolina being able to go bowling. But the defense just hasn't been great this year. Um, Duke's offense is averaging close to 10 more points than UNC on the year at 30.1 points per game on the offensive side of the ball. And that just really means that that Papuchis, John Papuchis, the defensive coordinator, has to get these guys prepared. And Carolina needs to play disciplined, come out with a lot of energy uh, and and intent to, to really go out there and just shake this Duke offense up. If they can really put some pressure on Daniel Jones on the on the offensive line with the likes of Timon Fox and, and Malik Carney. Obviously, Fox is done with his suspension now, and Malik Carney is done with his suspension. So we'll see them together for the final three games of the year, which will be fun to see. Don't know if Aaron Crawford will be back. I think there's rumors that he maybe has been practicing a little bit this week, but I would be shocked to really see him back, especially with the the reoccurring knee problems he's been having. You don't want to push that even further. But at the same time, you know, this defense is going to have to cover downfield because Duke is a team that really likes to pass. So Patrice Rene, Greg Ross, Trey Morrison, Miles Dorn, J.K. Britt, those guys in the secondary for North Carolina are going to have to have a big day as well. And hopefully they can force some turnovers on this Duke team, uh, a Duke team we've talked about already that doesn't like to turn the ball over that much, which is good for them. But North Carolina can maybe force a few fumbles like they did against Georgia Tech and maybe get a couple of interceptions as well. This could be a, a good ball game because I think Carolina's going to struggle to score a lot on a really, really solid Duke defense. So I think they're going to need some help for on the defensive side of the ball from their own team, from the Tar Heels, and hopefully they can force some turnovers and put this offense in good positions to be successful. So that's my second biggest key for North Carolina this weekend is can and which defense will show up. If this defense can show up and play well, then I think they're going to have a good shot at coming back to Chapel Hill with the victory bell. Uh, third biggest key, final key for me, Going into this game is the Tar Heels must find a way to run the ball again. This is a North Carolina team that I tweeted after the Virginia Tech game because I kind of thought the evidence was there to suggest that Antonio Williams and Michael Carter are the best running back duo in the ACC. And I've been kind of, in retrospect, in hindsight, which is always 2020, been made a fool of for saying that because they really struggled since that Virginia Tech game to to get any consistent th- things going together. They're, most of the time when you look at these two guys on the stat sheet after games, one of them plays well and the other one doesn't, or they both don't play well. It's really never been a game maybe besides Virginia Tech where both guys have come out and played well and put up big stats together. It's usually been one of them or none of them. So Carolina's got to find the way to run the ball again. Um, Carolina right now is 10th overall in the ACC in total rushing yards. They ran it 280 times for just 1,359 yards, excuse me, in that stat right there, the 280 handoffs that North Carolina has had, that is the lowest in the ACC. And for me, that is shocking and inexcusable um, from an offensive coaching perspective. You have to give the ball to two. I really do think Antonio Williams and Michael Carter have the potential and are two of the best um, running backs in the ACC. But Carolina just doesn't utilize them enough. And that's why you see statistically that they haven't done a lot this year. The fact that Carolina has handed off the ball the least amount of times 
with those guys in the backfield is along with Jordan Brown is a really solid running back for the Tar Heels as well. Just is confusing to me, especially with the struggles at quarterback that North Carolina's had and the injuries they've had at quarterback. I mean, Manny Miles has gone from fifth string quarterback uh, about three to four weeks ago to second string quarterback. So that doesn't kind of speak volumes to how many injuries North Carolina has had on the offensive side of the ball, especially at the quarterback position. Then I don't know what else will. And the fact that Carolina is still choosing not to give the ball off and hand it off a lot is shocking. I think the second lowest team in terms of hand in terms of attempts at, at handing the ball off is Florida State, who's the worst in the league this year, surprisingly in rushing. I think they've been or have handed the ball off about 291 times. They've obviously played one more game than North Carolina, but still, North Carolina right now uh, currently sitting uh, at 280 attempts at running the ball, and that's last in the ACC. So a shocking stat there from a, a team that struggled at the quarterback position and really just struggled on offense in general. And if you look at Duke, Duke has is, is had problems stopping the run for the most part this season. They're currently ranked 11th in the ACC in rushing defense. They're not the greatest rushing defense, but their defense overall is, re- is really, really solid. So Carolina should be able to exploit these guys on the ground. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they'll be successful at it, but I think Carolina has an opportunity this Saturday to really put up some points and put up some numbers on the through the running game and, and more specifically through Antonio Williams and Michael Carter, who, who are, I, I still believe are, are a great one-two duo, a great one-two punch when you think about the size of Antonio Williams and the speed, agility, and quickness of Michael Carter. So hopefully those guys can get rolling and have a big game on Saturday. Last but not least, I want to go into my prediction for Saturday's matchup at Duke. And I'm kind of throwing uh, one of the big things for, for rivalry games that you know, it's kind of cliche, but people always say because it's true is a lot of the time stats and, and records usually go out the window in these games. This is a game where two teams don't like each other and both teams usually you would hope come out and play the some of the best they've played all season because you know it's a rivalry game. So I think all stats and, and all records go out the window this Saturday, and I don't care. I think these teams might as well be zero and zero. I don't think it really matters going into this game if you, especially when you compare the Duke and Carolina's overall records to each other, because I mean it's not hard to tell the Duke's definitely a better football team at least on the record side. But I think that that serves well for North Carolina. I think Carolina goes to Durham. I think they continue to fight for Coach Fedora. They continue to fight for each other. And for some reason, I mean, obviously my head's telling me not to predict this because I'm probably going to be wrong based on how this season and last season have gone overall in terms of wins. But I'm going to go against my my brain and go more with my heart here and say that North Carolina's going to play just good enough, just good enough on both sides of the ball to come back and, and beat Duke for the first time in a few seasons and bring the victory bell back home. Uh, 10 miles down to Chapel Hill. And I think it's going to be a 31-27 to 27 victory for the Tar Heels on Saturday. I think Nathan Elliott's going to have a, a solid game. There are rumors that Cade Fortin uh, might be practicing and, and could be potentially healthy this weekend to at least play a few snaps. We'll see how that's handled and what exactly happens there. I don't know if, if he is going to play or if he's not going to play, but hopefully we will see, and maybe we'll see him back earlier and sooner rather than later. But I think Nathan Elliott... If he's the guy that plays, is going to have a good game. I have a good feeling about Nathan Elliott going into this weekend. I think he'll bounce back after a poor performance against Georgia Tech and do just enough. But I also think, like I said, one of the keys to victory is defense. And I think this defense is going to play just well enough and and only allow 27 points to a a Duke offense that is only averaging somewhere in there right now. They're averaging about 30 points a game, so not bad. But I think this team will do enough to come back with the victory bell, and that'll be a big win for the program. And hopefully – they can carry some of that momentum into the Western game and then into the state game at the end of the season. 
and you never know how this team could finish. Hopefully they can finish with four wins, and if there's another game rescheduled, hope they, hopefully they can finish with five, but we'll just have to wait and see, but I got, got a good feeling this weekend for North Carolina, and I think they're going to come out on top 31-27, to 27, and, and hopefully, more than anything, it's just a good, entertaining, uh, fun game of football to watch on Saturday, guys, but that's going to do it for me. I've been Jacob Turner. Once again, with the Carolina Talk podcast, try to keep this podcast relatively short for the Duke preview. Hopefully, you guys will tune in this weekend uh, to watch the Tar Heels at 1220 against a a good Duke Blue Devils team. It's a rivalry game, so if you're in the area, if you can make it, a ticket to, to Durham is really not that bad at all. You can get one relatively cheap even for a game like this, so I encourage you, if you live in the Triangle area, uh, Chapel Hill, Durham, Wake Forest, Raleigh, Get over there and get over to the game. It's a, Duke's. A, there's not a bad seat in Wallace Wade Stadium, the way it's built and everything, so it's a fun game to go watch. I've been there three or four times. I might be at the game on Saturday. I might not, so trying to figure that out. But regardless, I will be tuning into that. And you can look at live tweets and whatnot uh, at, on Twitter, at Carolina Talk Pod. I'll be updating a lot on Saturday before the game, during the game, after the game. So go make sure you go ahead and follow us there, and, and follow us during the game at Carolina Talk Pod. It's always a, a good time. A lot, a lot of people interact over there, and we have a, a lot of polls run over there, votes, stuff like that. So be sure to, to check us out over there and uh, give us a follow if you haven't already. But, guys, that's going to do it for me. One more quick thing before I go. The men's soccer team got a big victory in the ACC tournament semifinals a couple nights ago over Duke. Great, great victory for them. And now they're headed to the ACC championship final that tournament's being played in Cary. So if you can get to Cary and, and watch this men's soccer team, uh, I encourage you to do so. They beat Duke, I believe it was actually last night, thanks to a late goal from North Carolina forward Jelani Peters. He's had a really good year for the Tar Heels and has continued his his impressive form on the season last night and got a big, big goal for North Carolina. Ended up winning 2-1 over the Blue Devils. And good luck to them in the ACC championship game this weekend. But guys, thanks so much for listening. Go Heels as always. And we will see you next time.